Hi, my name is Kyle Henderson, and welcome back. This is episode 3 of Investigating the iGen. In this episode, I want to move on to another older institution that is being changed by social media, and that is politics. With the 2020 presidential election coming up fast, it seems especially relevant to discuss the ways that social media has impacted how politicians campaign and attempt to reach out to the younger demographic. Social media nowadays has been used as a way to share information with a larger audience. It's also become a platform for anyone to be able to express their opinion. For example, think of a time where you saw a friend or relative make a political post on their social media accounts. Think of a time where you yourself may have done that, whether it be your own post or you like retweet someone else's co-signing it. Um, social media has really grown to be a powerful tool in politics due to the, its ability to generate buzz for a certain candidate. But what it's also done is given people and more specifically Gen Zers and teenagers who have grown up with social media, um, more power to shape elections than ever before. Teenagers and Gen Zers are holding more influence and power than ever before in the political sphere. And we see this through the increase in teenage activists that are emerging into the media and making themselves and their causes known to the public. Uh, one example of this is Greta Thunberg. She's a 16-year-old climate, ch- climate change activist from Sweden who has been touted as an exploration leader in the fight for climate change. In the fight with climate change, uh, she spoke at the 2019 UN Climate Action Summit, and she sailed across the Atlantic to get to where it's going to be held in New York City. Another example is the March for Our Lives founders, um, who include Emma Gonzalez, uh, David Hogg, Sarah Chadwick, and more. Uh, they emerged in the wake of the Parkland School shooting as an organization um, dedicated to eradicating gun violence in the U.S. Their digital campaign and demand for change has been heard around the world, and they were able to keep the conversation on gun violence going for some, going for more time than normal following the shooting. And last but certainly not least, there's the everyday team with social media accounts. As I said before, it's easier than ever for one to share their opinion on a certain topic or candidate for president. I've already been seeing posts advocating for certain candidates to the Democratic nomination for the for president in the 2020 election. Utilizing their social media of choice, teenagers are able to garner support for the candidate that they want to win. And this is a really important tool as we approach next year's election. I believe it's so significant that we're seeing teenagers begin to hold this type of influence in elections because before we remember we've seen teenagers have that type of influence in a national election. I think with social media, it's really awakened the activists and some to go out and kind of fight for the change that they want to see. Um, and I think that this has really made them a force to reckon with in the political sphere and made them a demographic that politicians can't just ignore anymore. As a result of the influx in teenage participation in elections and their newfound activism, politicians are now using social media platforms to try to appeal to the youth votes and try to get um, the younger generations and younger demographics on their side when it comes time to vote. Um, the evidence of this that I saw was the 2016 election. I remember that I had Snapchat and through Snapchat, I was able to keep up with a lot of important events um, leading to the election, such as um, campaign rallies from the candidates, um, more debate, debates, stuff like that. Um, I thought Snapchat was the platform predominantly used to document the specific, significant events. Um, and additionally, politicians were able to reach out directly to their to the younger demographic base um, and try and communicate with them and try to appeal to them in some way, which I thought was also um, a big step in terms of um, politicians reaching out to the youth votes. Um, and additionally, teens are also very active on social media as it is, and not just active, politically active. Um, they were able to use um, 
their platform of choice to advocate for the candidate that they wanted to see win. And because of the influence that teenagers hold social media, it really should, um, politicians, as a result, I want to try to achieve similar success and hopefully swing the youth vote towards them. And it shows the power that teenagers have and how politicians now see them as a viable base. However, it seems that the main issue is that politicians aren't using social media well enough to gain the youth support, furthering the, furthering the disconnect between themselves and the youth audience that they want to receive support from. While they're certainly trying, it's clear that politicians are out of their element when trying to connect with the younger generations, and their attempts to do so come off as forced and authentic instead of genuine and actually having a desire to connect with today's teens. One example of this is when former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton used the video service Vine to create what has become an internet meme. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. As humorous as this Vine is, it's also a prime example of the forced nature that could come with politicians trying to use newer platforms such as Vine or Instagram or Twitter or other social media sites, and how politicians try to use these new platforms that they don't quite understand just yet. And as a result, their attempts to relate to the youth and what's going on in youth culture come off as forced and inauthentic. Additionally, we are already seeing politicians for the 2020 presidential election failing to properly use social media in ways that actually connect with today's youth. One instance is Democratic nominee Elizabeth Warren kicking off her campaign and celebrating by drinking a beer in her kitchen. She thanked her husband for being there in their own home, which obviously comes off as authentic and frankly very odd. Additionally, we have former Democratic nominee Beto O'Rourke live streaming his trip to the dentist, his actual actual appointment with the dental hygienist, which was just a little bit too much, I guess you'd say. And finally, we have former Democratic nominee Eric Swalwell searching for another cafe to get coffee besides Trump Tower, despite the fact that he was in New York City. And I think an important distinction is that um, O'Rourke and Swalwell are both more on the younger side of the candidates in, or were on the younger side of the candidates in the Democratic field for um, the presidential nomination. And they might have had the better chance of actually connecting to Gen Z since they are on the younger side and they might be able to navigate it better. Um, but overall, I think that this shows that the failure, to properly, the failure to properly use social media like an average person does makes candidates just look inauthentic and fake and it makes kind of the audience that they're trying to reach out to and connect with make them less interested in what they're talking about. Because with things like this, if they're putting on all these flashy um, acts to try to attract voters, it might act with actually trying to say and what they're trying to do. Authenticity is something that younger generations truly crave, and we want to see that for our politicians. Haphazard attempts at connecting with us aren't going to do the job, and jumping on the latest social media platform or viral trend won't do that either. What Gen Z wants is to be seen and heard by politicians. They want their issues that they're facing to be taken seriously, and they want to be treated like serious voters, rather than pets that can be distracted by flashy actions and objects by politicians who attempt these things to try and make themselves seem cool or relatable. Personally, I find it really interesting how Gen Zers have really shaken up the ways that politicians are campaigning. Because of their new influence and power in the political sphere, Politicians are trying to catch up and create a digital platform to connect with this new demographic that is holding a lot of power now. 
teenagers utilizing social media and modern technology are really revolutionizing the way that politicians are campaigning and reaching out to their audiences. We are about to head into 2020, which brings a new presidential election. It will certainly be interesting to observe how the candidates attempt to attract younger voters, since for many members of Gen Z, myself included, this will be our first time voting. I am curious to see if politicians are attempting to learn from their mistakes that they themselves have made and their um, companions and counterparts have made, and try to use it in a normal, authentic fashion that is true to themselves and their cause. However, I think what I'm really most excited to see in this upcoming election is how Gen Z operates. As I said before, this is, for many of us, our first major election. Teenagers have already done so much to make their voices heard, and social media has played a significant role in that. As I said before, March for Our Lives, Greta Thunberg, they have all been, their voices have all been amplified because of social media and the power that it has in getting messages across to wider audiences than just the people around you. Our current political climate is very tense, to say the least, um, but I'm really excited to see how our generation contributes to it and adds something meaningful and what meaningful things they add to it. I think that from all of this, it is clear that as Gen Zers grow up and eventually become the people in power, social media will play a big role in all of it. We are living in a world that is growing to be more tech-savvy by the minute, and our generation is at the forefront of all of this. Now, how we use this knowledge and information and skills, how we use these skills, are really anyone's guess, but I really look forward to seeing where it takes us in the future. But that's all for now. I'm Kyle Henderson, and I thank you for joining me for the third episode of Investigating the iGen. See you next time.